Earlier, I read a scripture from Isaiah 61, verse 1. When Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus enters the synagogue and he does something a little out of the ordinary. Starting in verse 16, he said, says, He went to Nazareth and where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Pray with me. Jesus, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us a heart to receive, and that you would give us a mouth that proclaims your truth. Amen. Something you might sound familiar to you. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A nation founded on that statement. Everything else after that is kind of supporting material, if you will. Life. That everyone's life has value. Liberty. The state of being free within a society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, and political views. Think about that for a minute. The pursuit of happiness. Some people forget the first like two words of that phrase um, and think that the Declaration of Independence says that we have these rights, right? That you can't take away that are life, liberty, and happiness. No, you don't get to be happy. You get to pursue it. That's what's guaranteed to you. You get to pursue it. The Declaration of Independence goes on to list what is referred to as a history of repeated injuries and usurpations. Short usurp, okay? Because I have no clue how to pronounce that word pretty much means to illegally force someone to do something. Then they list these acts that are committed by the king of Great Britain, which has brought the colonies to this place of seeking to declare their independence from Great Britain. 
And he goes on to list all of these things that have been done. I wonder today what kind of list we could come up with. (laughs) I think we could come up with a list that would put the king of Great Britain to shame. Like, you weren't that bad, buddy. And so as I began to think about the Declaration of Independence, as I I think about celebrating Independence Day tomorrow, one of the first words that came to my mind and, and kept replaying over and over again was freedom. And so I began to think of some questions. You know, what is freedom? Why is freedom so important to us? Is our country's concept of freedom the same as the kind of freedom that Jesus died to give us? Is there a difference between having freedom from something and freedom for something? Is the freedom we have from something meant to ultimately give us freedom for something? Does America have a monopoly on freedom? So in weighing the scales of the value and the importance of freedom given to us as Americans and the freedom available to us through Christ, the scripture that came to my mind was Matthew 10, 28. Bear with me as I explain why here in a minute. Jesus says, he says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can can destroy both soul and body in hell. And I began, as I was thinking about that scripture, as it came to mind, I began thinking about whose freedom do I care more about? The freedoms that I'm given as an American or the freedom through Jesus Christ? What one do I care more about? I can tell you which one I have the most arguments about with myself. I can tell you about the one that I have the most frustrations with. I I can tell you all of the things that I think about the most when it comes to freedom. And guess what they're connected to? Our country's freedom. And I think for the most of us, we would agree that that's the case. That we're more concerned with the freedom and the rights and the privileges and the things that we have from our country than we are from the things of God. So I wanted to look a little deeper into this idea of freedom. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you'll turn to Galatians chapter 5. The words will be on the screen for you as well. I'm going to begin by reading verses 1 through 11, and then we'll kind of look at that section a little bit. Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. See, the debate was between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were under the law, right? They, they're, they're still kind of living in the Old Testament where they have to do the law. They have to do the things that's required of them, right? The Gentiles, well, they were never under that law. It was the Israelites, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people who who fell under that law, and the Gentiles were being persuaded by the Jews that they had to fulfill the law as well. They had to do the law. But what Paul is telling them is if you put yourself under the law, which this is why he's talking about circumcision and uncircumcision, you had to be circumcised if you were a Jew, And so they're saying, if you were circumcised, that's the law. And so if you put yourself under one of the laws, you have to put yourself under all of them. You can't just choose one law to obey. You've got to obey them all if you're going to put yourselves under the law. But he's going on to tell them, if if I am preaching circumcision then I negate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For I cannot preach the law and the death and resurrection of Jesus because the two don't go together because one conquered the other. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. And so he's telling him, you have to pick Because they were given freedom from something, but they were trying to put themselves under the bondage of that slavery that came about from fulfilling the law. He's saying, we freed you from that. 
For Christ freed us for freedom. As a runner and a running coach, I love verse 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? That's like, you you cut me off, it's on. I, I know I'm a pastor, but we have a phrase as runners. What happens in the woods stays in the woods. You cut me off and there's a woods. You better hope I'm not around you when the woods comes. Because he's using this analogy to tell them, you were living the faith. But you allowed someone to cut you off and steer you in a different way. Have we as Americans allowed the thing that pledges to give us freedom to cut us off from the true freedom that Jesus Christ offers? Freedom is not defined by the United States of America. America doesn't have a monopoly on freedom. But when we think about freedom, do we relate or connect freedom to people in other nations? When you think about freedom, do you connect it at all with other nations, other countries? I'm venturing to guess most of us don't, right? We tend to think of America as being the land of the free. But you see, to do that is to define freedom under what America has defined it as, not what true freedom is. Because you see, freedom that is through Christ is available to everyone. But one of the things that's interesting to me is that the very freedoms that we are given as Americans tend to be the very things that hurt our faith from growing. What do you mean? Well, if you look overseas and you look at other countries that don't have freedom to worship the God that they choose, that they don't have freedom to carry a Bible with them without the fear of being imprisoned, they can't go to a church and worship the God that they choose to, in those places, Christianity grows stronger and stronger and stronger. Why is it? Why is it? Because you see, the very freedoms that we're permitted 
we abuse. You see, we think that freedom is all about from. We think of freedom and we define it as everything that we have freedom from. But you see, I believe that it's more so about what freedom is for. You see, ultimately, the freedoms that we have in Christ is all about being able to worship Him. You see, the freedoms that we're given enable us to fulfill the great commandment. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Matter of fact, don't take my word for it. Paul goes on in chapter 4, starting in verse 13. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Listen up, Americans. Um, Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, and those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I know some of you read verses 19 through 21 and you go through there and you're like, nope, 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 nope. Yes, my sin's not included. Um, No, he was addressing the sins of the people he was writing to. Um, So don't read that as, nope, I'm good. I'm not sinning because mine's not on the list. No, that's not how that works. So don't take it that way. The question for us in this becomes, the things that we do, do they fall contrary to what God tells us is right? To love your neighbor as yourself. 
Why does Paul leave out the first part of that? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why does he leave out that? Let's think about it. What are we? We're God's creation, right? We're different than all of the other creation that God did. We are made in the image of God to be in a relationship with God the Father. And if we love each other the way that we love ourselves, we in turn are loving God because of how we love each other. You see, how we love each other is a reflection of our love toward God. Uh oh. We're all in trouble. Come to think about it, I'm in trouble. Because what goes on in the woods stays in the woods, right? You see, that doesn't work. And you know, I don't actually say that phrase anymore. I use that phrase to kind of set up this. Because I used to say that, and then Jennifer heard me say it to him one time. And she was like, you're telling him to do what? I'm like, I didn't tell him to do anything. I just made a statement of what might happen. And she's like, oh yeah, you're telling them what to do. You see, how we love each other is a reflection of the value that we place on God. Because the value that we place on each other and each other's lives these certain unalienable rights, you can't take them away. Life is the first one. The value of a human life. Do you value your life the way that you value everyone else's life? Because that is a reflection of your value of God. A scripture. When we think about Independence Day, we can't help but come to, at least I can't help but come to it. And it's one that some of you might be tempted to um, close up shop and walk out the door, uh, shut off the live stream or whatever you're doing. So bear with me, listen to me before you throw any darts. First Peter 2, 13 through 17 says, Submit yourselves... For the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. Do not Use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Okay, let me read that a little differently for you. Submit yourselves to the Lord's authority 
in every human authority, to the congressmen and women, to the President of the United States, to the judges who are sent to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish politicians. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up what you don't agree with. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to all the people that I just mentioned. Love the family of believers. For those who don't know that, that's anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is a son of God and has put their faith in him. Fear God. Hopefully you know what that one is. And honor the president of the United States. Ouch. That's a little different when you read it that way, isn't it? But that's in essence what Paul is saying to the people of Galatia in that time. But the thing that we have to remember and we have to understand is the laws of the land do not trump our obedience to God. What is in Scripture is concrete. It's in Scripture. It's the Holy Word of God. We don't get to change it. We don't get to add to it. We don't get to take it away. There are no amendments. There are no presidential orders that get to change it. The law of the land does not conflict with us being obedient to God and what God says. We are to obey the authority of the land. That means there's going to be stuff that we don't like. I promise you right now, there are men and women in the armed forces that are risking their very lives to protect a president that they don't agree with. To protect a government that they may not be happy with or agree with. Why do they do that? Well, you know, part of me would like to hope that they know their scripture and they're being obedient to God. I think some of them are that way. But I think some of them are just loyal to each other, to their country. You see, we have freedom that God gives us from things. But over and over again, we read Paul saying, do not use them to cover up. Do not use them to take advantage of. Because the freedoms that we have from things were always meant to be for someone. For each other. You see, one of the lines of the Declaration of Independence that doesn't get read all that much is one of the last sentences of the Declaration of Independence. This is what it says. It says, With a firm 
reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. You don't hear that read very often, do you? Well, here we come right back to another biblical thing. They pledged to be so for each other that they were willing to sacrifice everything to love their neighbor as themselves. That we mutually pledge to each other our lives. What was the first thing that they had that was an unalienable right? No one could take it away. What was it? Life, I think. But they pledged their life, their fortunes. That, that's money, if you didn't comprehend that. Um, they, their possessions. They would read Acts 2, 42 through 47. And then go back and read that last statement. It says they, they took care of each other. Christian community, they took care of each other when they were in need. And their sacred honor. There was nothing for their pledge to one another. To love one another. And you know what? I bet when they were writing the Declaration of Independence, I know they all didn't write it themselves, that they agreed. I bet when they were editing it and they were going through it, that they all didn't agree on every single thing that was in there. I bet when the Constitution of the United States was being written, they didn't agree on every single thing. I bet there was heated debate. Actually, if you look at some of the, the old pictures and paintings that they have, what are they doing? They're standing up yelling across at each other because they were so adamant that they were so passionate about what they were doing, the grounds that they were forging for the people to come. But you know, at the end, despite our differences, with God's help, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to each other. What would it look like if America wasn't so much about the freedoms of rights as much as the freedom of ownership, of responsibility that's given to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. Stand with me. If you just reach out your hands and receive this blessing. Jesus, we thank you for the country that we live in. We do acknowledge that we have injuries and freedoms and rights that not everyone is fortunate to have. 
us to not take a blessing and turn it into something we use against each other. But may we take a blessing and use it to do what it's meant to do and is be a blessing. God, I pray that this country's freedom would be found first and foremost in your Son, Jesus Christ. And that through that freedom for you, that we would then see the freedoms from. God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. That as we celebrate our independence tomorrow, that we would give you praise. That we would think about the freedom that you give us and how it enables us to live out the freedoms and live into the freedoms that this country gives us. Be glorified in us, Jesus, we pray. Amen.